Hello there. Welcome to the Beloved Son Ministry Show, where we who were once only the prodigal children now dare believe that we really are the beloved children of the Father. This Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. So now, let us come together, yes, in all of our brokenness, in all of our woundedness, but also in all of our belovedness, to share with one another the impact God has had on our lives and the impact that He continues to have in our lives, so that our curses may become crosses and our crosses may truly become blessings. So welcome home, my beloved brothers and sisters. All right, good evening, everyone. So welcome to um, our Lenten conference for this um, this year. And this year, we're, we're going to, our topic is really journeying home to the Father, right? Because each time we journey to the cross, we really try to journey home to the Father. And and I chose the parable of the prodigal son because of its, um, because of its deep, deep uh, meaning and richness for all of us, you know, and you can see on, on the on the screen here, this is Rembrandt's, um, it's his rendition of the prodigal son. Actually, not many of us know this, but he actually had an earlier one done, which was very different from this one. And tomorrow night we'll get, we'll talk a little bit about the painting and 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 the hidden things that are, um, that are, I'm sorry, not, not tomorrow, N next, next week's uh, thing, we will talk about the painting. Um, but, but, you know, take a look at, at this picture and you also see it, it's, it's behind me too. It's, it's very prominently placed in my room. Um, so, all right. Okay, so let us begin. Let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of our life and our faith, but most importantly for the gift of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Open our hearts and our minds that we may receive all that you wish to speak and to give to us this evening. May your love lead us home to you today and every day. You who with your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit are God forever and ever. Amen. Okay. All right, let me just make sure here. Okay. So, the parable of the prodigal son. So I want to spend the first minute or two just reading through the entire parable. And I invite you to e either follow along the words or just close your eyes and, and, and listen to the parable. It's, it's, it's up to you. Okay. Then he said, a man had two sons. And the younger son said to his father, father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. And so the father divided the, prop the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, 
but here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Give me one second. <laughs> I think I heard something. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. And then let us celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field and on his way back, he, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and of dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, look, all these years I have served you and not once that I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns who swallowed up your entire property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf. He said to him, my son, you are with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Just take a few moments just to take it all in and, and just see which parts stood out to us. All right, we now dive in to the departure. And, and, and this part will be the longest part of the three parts because of, of, of one, the, the length of, of the verses, but also because I think most of us, we actually are, can, we, we can resonate a lot with, with the departure. And, and hopefully you will feel the same way. So our characters, you know, um, the father, the younger son, and the elder son are three characters. And I, I want to mention one quick thing is that there are two other stories that led up to this, which is the lost coin and the lost sheep. And, and, and why it's uniquely placed because those two lost, the, the, the lost coin and the lost sheep, um, they really couldn't reciprocate anything. Right. They they couldn't decipher anything. You know, the, the coin couldn't respond. Right. And a sheep, it, it couldn't respond. But 
But the son, this is the only parable of, of the three that allows someone to determine how it will end. Only in this parable is, is a character allowed to say yes or no. And that's why it, it, is, it, it uniquely pertains to us because of, of that reason. And so let's dive right in. In the very beginning, we're told that a man had two sons, right? And the younger son said to his father. So immediately we can see that there is a relationship, right? There is a father and two sons. Everything starts and ends with relationship. That's why our prayer life is so important because our prayer life is really about us and the father, right? And we can see here that, that it begins telling us that, that truth, that, that it begins, all things begin with relationship. And then we go on to hear the younger son said to the father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. You know, what are the, the words that stand out here the most is, is give me. Give me the share of your estate. You know, this, this younger son, you know, his, his mentality is, is give me. I take, I grab, I seize all for me. Me, me, me. Right? Something that perhaps he shouldn't have received yet. Right? But he wants to take it. He wants to take, take, take. He was trying to take something that wasn't meant to be given to him, at least not then. Right? Now, what does this remind you of? This taking and grabbing and seizing what's really not theirs, what really isn't belonging to them. Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, when they were in the Garden of Eden, God said, all this is yours. All I ask for you is to not eat of this fruit from this tree. That's it. And so they you know, go about their business, and then there they are in the garden. They see, um, they see this fruit tree, and it's you know we're told that it was good to appealing to the eyes and good to to eat. And so what happens? They're tempted, right? The serpent tempts Eve and say, "Oh, did he really say if you eat of this, you will die? Of course you won't die, but instead you will become like God." So eat it. And they did. Adam and Eve grabbed and took what was not for them to take. Right? Because what were they, what were they trying to do? They're trying to, to become like God, right? If, if that's what the devil said, you could become like gods. But they forgot something. We're told that they were, they were made in the image and likeness of God. They were like God. Right? So the devil tricked them with what they already had. And in the same way, the younger son is saying, give me, give me what will come to me, you know, when, when the time comes. But the son already had everything at home. But yet he wants to take it and seize it for himself. 
Now, what is it? What is an inheritance? When does that come, really? When do we get an inheritance? When someone dies, right? When someone dies. So what is what what is a son really saying? He's saying to the father, "You're dead to me. You're dead to me. Just give me my money, give me my my belongings, and we're done. You're dead to me. I wish you were dead." He couldn't see that all the father had was his. But he chose to seize and take and grab without even recognizing that he already had all those things. But what does the father do? He divided the property between them. Now, let me ask you this. If you have children and your son or your daughter says to you, um, I know you're alive, but you're dead to me. So just give me, just, just give me my share of, of the inheritance and then we'll, we'll say goodbye. And then, and then that's it. How, how would you, how would you respond to them? Would you say, oh, oh, here, let me grab my checkbook. Um, 10% or there you go. How many of you would do that? I think you, you smack them in the head and say, you know, what's going on with you? I'm, I'm alive here. You know, you're not getting any of this, right? But this father does. He divided property between them. But what is he saying? Is he saying, oh, oh, well, you know, I guess you can go. If that's really what you want, you can go. Is he saying that? While the son says, I wish you were dead or, or, or you're dead to me, the father is really saying, I love you. I love you. You are still my son. Because you're still my son, I give you my inheritance. Right? So just by giving him his inheritance, the father is still saying, you're still my son. Even though you wish I were dead and want nothing to do with me, you are still my son. And that is why I'm giving this share to you. Even though you curse me, even though you wish I were dead, even though you don't like me, even though you, you hate me and, and, and you want nothing but to leave, I still love you. You are still my son. Because you're my son, I give you my inheritance. We also have this inheritance. By our baptism, we have this inheritance. Right? At the Last Supper, when Jesus was going to wash the feet of the apostles, Peter said, no, 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 you would, you would not wash my feet. But what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, unless I wash up you, you will have no inheritance with me. So he allows it. Jesus knows that he is going to die. So he gives his inheritance. Even though we may sin on a daily basis, whether venial or mortal or whatever it may be, even, even though we, 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 we may choose to sin day after day, God still gives us his inheritance. Even though we choose to go away from him, 
Leave him. Ignore him. Not talk with him. He still gives us inheritance. He still says, I love you and you are my beloved. By our baptism, we've been set apart. We've been, there were, there's this indelible mark placed in our souls that can never be taken. Nothing, no one can take that away from us, this inheritance. Even when we choose to reject it and not receive it, it's still there. It's still there. So this son may have rejected his identity by saying, Father, I want nothing, I want nothing to do with you. Even though he may have done that, the father never stops loving him. He never withholds his love from him. And the same for us. God never withholds his love from us. Even when we sin, no matter how far away we've gone and how sinful we've been, or how long we've been away from church, God still says, I love you, no matter what we do. The question we, we must ask is, do we choose to remain in his, in his belovedness? You know, St. Peter Chrysologus had a very um, nice quote. He said, the son is as impatient as the father is kind. Is, isn't that true? And I think sometimes we can see that in our own families, right? Does the, the, the son or daughter, the brother or sister may be very impatient but yet, the mother still provides. No, no matter what the son may do or say to you, he may hurt your feelings, he may curse you, he may do all these things, but yet, you still let him stay. You still let him live under your roof. You still give them food. You still do all these things. Why? Because they're your kids. And no matter how much we sin, God still loves us and forgives us. Why? Because we're his kids. So as impatient as we may be, the Father's kindness is immeasurable. Can everyone hear me okay? I just want to, I just want to make sure. Okay. Because I can't see any faces. <laughs> so, okay. You know, and and one one more thing that I wanted to to to, to say here is is um about the, about the inheritance. Even. Even. Um, even as the son is about to leave, the father gives his inheritance. Meaning what? Meaning that he wants to continue to give life. Because because that's what an inheritance does, right? It provides for our future generations. So even as a son begins to pack his things and leave, the father wishes to give him life. And he does that for us too. So after a few days, the, the younger son collected all of his belongings. Now, we're not told what happens in these few days. You know, let's, what, what could have happened? Maybe there were some conversations, maybe even, even arguments between the younger son and the elder son saying, you can't leave me with all this work, right? Maybe there are a whole lot of different arguments or conversations. 
what was the atmosphere? Was there joy in the younger son? You know, I can finally leave this place. Was there anger between the younger son and, and older son? Sadness on the father's part? Excitement on the younger son's part? But we're not told. And I think that is intentional because Luke, I mean, yeah, Luke wants us to put ourselves in, 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 in this scripture and, and, and put ourselves there and, and imagine what could have went on those few days. Because as we know, a few days can, a lot can happen in a few days, right? We, we went from having a pandemic to no pandemic. We, we, we went from having church open to no public masses in a short few days. Life too. I could be talking to you today in, in the ground the next. So we're short few days. And he was taking with him, maybe, maybe he was taking, if it was modern day, he was taking his iPhone, his iPad, his, his what, do you, what do you call those? Um, AirPods or whatever it is. You know, all these things that, 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 he, that, that he thinks belongs to him. But parents know they don't belong to you. <laughs> I bought them, right? They're my belongings, right? So even what you're taking is my inheritance. Even what you're taking is my expression of my love for you. Because he could have said, no, you're not taking a single thing. Take those clothes off and leave, right? He, he could have done that, but he didn't. And here's the big one. And he set off to a distant country. Imagine the son leaving home. And I think we can even look back on ourselves, at least for, you know, for some of us who, who've been, you know, out in the world and, 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 and have experienced going away to college or, or work. You know, how do we feel when we were able to leave the house? Freedom, right? It's freedom. It's liberation. I, I, I can live my life now, right? Freedom at last. I can only imagine the younger son feeling that way. This freedom. I can live my life now. Do what I want to do. And so he leaves. Leaves. But... But what is he really leaving? He's leaving his home. He's leaving his father. He's leaving behind his identity. He's leaving behind himself. He's leaving behind all that he is. And he goes to try to find himself. This distant country. He goes away from the place of love, from the place of faith, from the place of life to a place of worldly pleasures and death and darkness. He rejects his identity. You know, we, growing up, and I think many of us can also you might agree with me. We, we've heard that temptation. Be someone. Go make something of yourself. 
be somebody, right? And maybe he, this younger son heard that too, be someone. He wants to make a name for himself. You know, I can remember growing up, um, I, was always, I was always known as, oh, you're Grace's brother. You're Wendy's brother, right? Because, because we're always known by our relationships. We're always known by our identity. But the, the, the younger son is saying, no, I don't want that. I want to be known as myself. I want my own name. I want fame. I want power. I want riches. I want all these things by my own hands. He wanted freedom. But isn't it ironic that the younger son goes off to be somebody and becomes a nobody? You know, brothers and sisters, we sometimes we may feel that temptation too to, to be somebody. But don't forget, we are already somebody. We are God's beloved. We are his sons and daughters. We are somebody already. We don't need to go find this in a distant place. By our baptism, we already are somebody. We're told that God has loved us with an everlasting love in Jeremiah. That even before we were born, before we were formed, he loved us. And moms and dads can attest to this. When we're pregnant, we, we might say, I love you more than you can ever imagine. Right? I love you more than you, you can ever imagine. I, I love you more, more than I can even thought that I would, I would love someone else. Even before the baby is here, moms and dads loved that child. And if, if it's so for us, how much more it is for God? But do we believe that? Do we believe that God has loved us with an everlasting love? That even in our shame and sinfulness that he loves us, do we believe that? Apart from the father, this son has no identity. And apart from God, we have none either. Let us not forget that. That all that we are is because of a special relationship with the Father. Right? I am only a son because I have a Father. So let us not forget that. But this younger son seemingly did. He wanted to be his own person. But isn't that such a lonely thing to do? And so, and so what does he do with this newfound freedom, this freedom that he thinks he, he has? What does he do? We're told that he squandered his inheritance in a life of dissipation. What does it mean to squander? It, it, I, I found two definitions that are appropriate and apt. Squander can mean, it says, to waste recklessly or to let an opportunity pass by 
or become lost. This young man recklessly wasted his inheritance, all that his father has given to him. Not only the material things and the money, but his identity. But as we read this, do we read that he regrets it? Do we read that he didn't want this? No. He willingly squandered it. And what is this life of dissipation? We can understand that this, so dissipation is really a, a life where we just satisfy the sensual pleasures, greed, power, fame, sensual pleasures, whatever it may be, right? And that's what he cared about. Because isn't, isn't that what our young people know today? You only live once. Do what you, yeah, you if you like that, go for it. Do it. Experience it. You only live once. Do it. Right? And that's what he did. He got his money and he, he went off and, and, and he did it. He did what he thought he wanted. But we must remember that, 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 that these are all just temporary. Right? He could have used this money to do something practical. Find a job, save up, buy a house, start a business. Right? He could have done that. But he doesn't. He uses it on <coughs> chasing the latest trends. Buying the newest sneakers, if you will. Right? <coughs> but we all, well, we know that none of the things that give us pleasure is lasting. Just, just look at drugs, right? You, you, you take it once and, and you want it again and again and, and, and again. What's, what's the joy? And even if, if you ask someone who is struggling with an addiction, they don't want it, but they can't help it, right? But how have we... How have we used our inheritance? What inheritance, right? The gifts and the talents that God has given to us, how have we used them? Have we used them and squandered them for our own pleasures? Or do we use it for good? Those gifts, those talents. Some of you may say, well, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. Yes, you do. We all have talents. Sometimes it's just that little smile on your face or that reassuring look on your face. That hug you give to someone, right? That is your gift. Um, I saw something. Okay. But how have we used them? How have we used our inheritance? Something we ought to think about and pray. So in one word, our inheritance really is our life in Christ. 
That's our inheritance. So this son may have squandered it because he thought, well, this is, it's mine, so I can do whatever I want. But we know that it's not just his. It's his inheritance, but he got it from his father. So, 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 so no gift is really ours. But, but then some might say, well, you gave it to me. It's, it, 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 it's a gift. What do you mean it's not mine? But let's just look at the word gift itself. Something is only a gift because it's meant to be given to others, right? If I, for example, if I knew, um, if I went out on, on, um, on this trip and I went to this amazing restaurant, would I say, oh, I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to tell um, so-and-so about it. You know, I just, I just, it's, it's my restaurant. Do we do that? No, we, 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 we say, hey, you, you should check out so-and-so's, right? A gift is meant to be given. An inheritance is meant to be shared. An inheritance is meant to give life. But instead, the sun shows death and shows darkness. And our inheritance, brothers and sisters, it spans heaven and earth. Our inheritance comes from the Father. So we can't squander it. It must be used selflessly and for others. Are we okay so far? Am I, um, am I going too fast or am I talking too much? Or is this, um, let's see if there's an indication Okay. It's okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> thank, thank you, Ron. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, let's continue. And again, I, you know, I this, we're 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 only on on the second verse. <laughs> so, um, so 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 this this first part will be a little bit longer. And understand if you need to go, it's fine. I'll I'll keep this recording even if it's just myself. And I'll have it um, on, on, online on, on the page that you can use your password to, to enter. Um, but, but, but I hope you would stay because it's, 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 it's quite good. Okay, so let's continue. Um, so here we are. The sun used up everything, right? And, and in today's terms, it's like, um, what do the kids use today? Um, what's that called? Your, um, it's, a, it, it's, it's like... Of a victory march, right? You leave your dad's home. Bye. Forget you. I have my own, you know, and, and then you drive away in your nice car. And then you waste all your money. And then what? So sure, when you have money, you have friends. You have friends, right? When you're popular, you have friends around you. But what happens when you have no more money? You have no more benefits. You have nothing to offer them. What do these friends do? Do they stay by your side or... Um, or did he find another friend? Chances are these people who just flock to you when, when you have money, they'll leave you when you have none. And this picture by, um, I think it's James Tassaw, I think. It's, um, oh, I'm sorry. Let me share, share this quote first. Um, 
St. Augustine of Hippo says, to be in the realm of lustful passion, which the sun was, the same as the realm of darkness, right? And, and this same painting was painted by, guess who? Rembrandt. Many years before he painted this one. That's a prodigal son in his, um, in his, what he thought was his freedom. But let us meditate and ask, do I want to be in this realm of darkness or do I want to live in the light? So what happens next? When he had, one second, when he has freely spent everything, freely spent again, again, this son wanted this. He wanted to use up all his money. He, this, this is what he wanted. And I know as parents, as, as an uncle, I, I, I would say, well, it's, it's what you wanted, right? You, you get, you get what, these are your natural consequences. You chose this. You freely spent of your own free will, of your own free choice. You wanted this. To him, this was freedom. This was freedom. Drinking as, as much as he wanted, partying as much as he wanted, you know, this is what he wanted. Drugs, brothels, gambling. To him, that was freedom. To him, that was freedom. But if we really think about it, isn't that really slavery? Isn't what the son did enslaving himself to drugs, alcohol, and addictions? But, you know, what, what, what the eyes of the world see as freedom is really slavery. Freedom should lead to joy and peace. That even when things go wrong, I have that peace and joy. Freedom must lead to that. But does it for the son? If he was truly living in freedom, would he... Would he feel the need for, um, for, for anything else? No, he, he, he would feel content and peaceful, but he, he, he doesn't. And I think this next picture is what I wanted to show you before. Um, it's, um, it's the sun being cast out from the brothel, from his friends. Even the dog doesn't, doesn't let him go, right? This is what his freedom led him to. Being chased away by our so-called friends, by those who said they loved us when we had money. This is what this freedom led to. You tell me, is that freedom? Does freedom need a, a sense to, to run away, to hide. No, it, it doesn't. This isn't true freedom. And he was able to finally see that, that, that after all that he has spent was gone, he had no one. And I think we can sometimes re re reflect on our own lives and, and, and we can see that. We can see who our true friends are. When we are down in the dumps and, 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 and there's... And, and we're, we don't, 
people don't, don't want to be around us when, when we're in that state. But yet, you know who your friends are when they reach out to you. Sometimes it's, oftentimes it's mom and dad, sister, brothers, right? Those are our true friends. So here comes the, um, the turning point, sort of. So what happens after he uses up all his money? How could, could things get any worse? Yes. <laughs> a famine struck. A severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. Great, right? I, I, I can just hear him screaming, why? <laughs> right, why? Some may ask me, if, if, if God is a loving God, why would he do this to him? Was he punishing him? Or was it a moment of grace? <clears throat> a severe famine struck. Um, St. Ambrose tells us <clears throat> that this famine really wasn't, well, for, for us. This famine was, was a famine of virtue and a famine of good works. That that spiritually he he had nothing. But he found himself in dire need. So it's not punishment, but it's grace. Well, some say, well, how, how can this possibly be a moment of grace? So it's a moment of grace because by this experience, by this famine, by this seemingly having nothing left, he found himself. In this seemingly desperate situation, we're told he found himself. He found himself. He finally felt the pain and the suffering of what it means when he rejects who he is, when he rejects his, his identity. He finally experiences the pain of rejection. Not done to him, but his rejection of his father. This moment was the moment when God was trying to say to him, Hello, can you hear me? It's me, God. Do you remember me? But he found himself, but not the self that he needed to find. He experienced pain, and for the first time in his life, he needed to worry about something. He needed to worry about what he will eat, what he will wear, what he will where he will get his money from, where he will live, where he will sit, where he will sleep. For the first time in his life, this young man needed to worry and fend for himself. Because for most of his life, he needed to worry about anything. He had a father who loved him, a home, servants, workers, food more than he can ever ask for. He had everything. But now he had nothing. He didn't know what to do. 
He needed to find out what he needed to do so that he can survive. Right? He didn't realize that this need can only be filled by God. And so what does he do? Does he say, all right, God, you win? No. He hired himself out to the local citizens. Right? Instead of admitting that he was in trouble, he said, you know what? I'm a man. I can solve this. I'll find a job. Okay. All right. So he turned to himself. He turned inwards. In this crisis, he turned inwards, not to God, not to home, but to himself. He went even deeper into this distant country, this place of darkness, this place of sin, this place of death. He went even deeper by rooting himself, by planting himself into that land, by hiring himself out. He sold himself to slavery. He sold himself to this distant country. He sold himself to the local citizens. He chose the world and rejected God. He rather seek the help of a stranger who can manipulate him than go back to his father. He rather betray himself and sell himself. Isn't it ironic that what he thought was freedom is now happening to himself? He has become a prostitute of his own kind. He hired himself out. But isn't this true of, of ourselves sometimes when we we think we can take, we can solve it on our own accord. We can do it our own. We be, well, you know, don't don't tell mom, don't tell dad, don't don't tell my family. It's embarrassing. I I I can do this. I'll I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll take care of it. And then we go down to means that are that are not good. We rather betray ourselves and our beliefs than to lose our pride. And guess where did the, um, this local citizen send him to? To tend the swine. At first you may think, well, there's, um, there's merit in, 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 in being a, a farmer, right? <clears throat> Could be. But let's, let us not forget. What kind of man was this? Was he a Gentile? He was a Jew. Jew does not, Jews do not touch pigs. But he chose to do that. There's a big problem this was his lowest point that he could ever have sung to. He chose to willingly defile himself by tending the swine as a Jew. He, he chose it. Instead of 
putting his pride down, going home, he said, I will defile myself. I'm going to hire myself out and I'm going to, I'm going to do this job that, that I know will make me unclean, body and spirit. He chose to defile himself and go against all that he ever was and is. His solution was I'll just let myself die. I'll just let who I am completely disappear. But I'll still have my pride. I still die with my pride. I still have my dignity. Can we just feel for him? That he is so lost, so blind that he was willing to betray his very being, betray all that he was and still can be, but to preserve his pride, he gave it all up. Look at him, no clothes. Look at this picture, the pigs, they're comfy. They're full from food. They're, they're sleeping. But look at the man. He has no clothes. He's meager. He, he's crying on the head. He's, he's like, why, why am I here? Even the pigs are better off than he is. Why would we do that to ourselves? We often hear our Parents or our, those who care for us say, you know, you're better than that. And this son is better than that. But he chooses, he chooses to sell himself out. <clears throat> and the next part is even, even more saddening. He longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. He wanted to eat the pig's food as if touching them and caring for them wasn't bad enough. He wanted to eat what, he, what they ate. He wanted to stay in this darkness, in this place of death in this place of messiness, of defilement, he would rather stay there. This is where he is. But notice the last phrase. Nobody gave him any. <clears throat> Why do you think that is? Well, he he's a man, right? He, he, he's human. Would pig food really fulfill his hunger? No. Because nobody gave him any because what he really needed was not pig food. But it was food that was proper to his being. He needed 
of food that can truly satisfy him. He needed the food from his father. He longed truly not for the pods which the swine fed, but he longed for the living waters as a woman at the well did. Because if he ate these, if he ate this food, he would have to come back again and again looking for more because he wouldn't be fulfilled or satisfied because it's not for him. Here's a really um, nice quote from St. Ambrose about this, about this scene. <clears throat> Whoever leaves treasure lacks. Whoever departs from wisdom is stupefied. Whoever departs from virtue is destroyed. He who does not know how to be filled with eternal nourishment always suffers starvation. We were made for heaven. All that the earth has offered us will never satisfy us. We belong to heaven. We belong to God. And until we realize that, we will, ne we will always be starving, looking for the next thing, right? What's the next best? What's the, what's the next best thing? What's the next best thing? We will never be satisfied if we do not realize that because we were made in God's image and likeness, we don't belong to the earth. We don't belong to this world. We belong in heaven. So only heavenly nourishment will satisfy us. All right, we're almost there. Are we okay? Okay. Hopefully hopefully it's not too boring. <laughs> I know I could get dry. Um, and here is a quote from scripture. One does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Right, we, we, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love iced tea, but but I can't live on it, right? I can't I can't live on it as much as I want to, right? I, I must live, I must live on the Lord. I must live by His providence. I must live on the Eucharist. I could have it, but I can't see this as as my nourishment. This could supplement it. This could be even a luxury. But it can't be what feeds my soul. Only the Eucharist and the Word of God can do that. Okay. Oh, here we go. Coming to his senses, he thought, wow. For the first time, he thinks. <laughs> he thinks. Right? This light bulb moment. When I, um, when I used to teach... And um, we would call these aha moments, right? What are these aha moments? This, this was it for him. He was like, wait a second. Looking at myself, wait, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? He looked at himself and said, you know, I, this isn't, this isn't, this, you, you've got to be kidding me, right? But, but, but where could this have come from? It, it, it couldn't have come from himself, right? 
was the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had that moment of like complete clarity? You like, you know what? I this is this isn't what I need to do. I, I like like for that maybe a few seconds or a few minutes, you've had clarity. Right? This this was it for him. The Holy Spirit. It came from his inheritance. Because he may have squandered his material inheritance, but no one could squander the spiritual inheritance. People may take away our fame, our riches, our power, but no one can take away our life in Christ. No one, as St. Paul tells us in Romans, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And because the father chose to give him his inheritance, he had the spirit. He had the spirit. And no one can take that away from us. No one can take the Holy Spirit away from us. Not even the devil. No sin, no shame, no guilt, nothing that we think is so bad that we have done can ever take that away from us. Nothing. So if you ever feel that you are bombarded by shame and guilt, remember and no one can take who you are in Christ away from you. Not even the devil. So here he is in, in, in his right mind, we can say, right? In his right mind, he began to say, okay, okay, all right. All right. So what, what is really going on here? He, he, he says, how many of my father's hired workers have ordered enough to eat? But here I am dying of hunger. I shall get up and go to my father. For the first time, he remembers his father. For the first time, he thinks of his father. He suddenly remembers, wait, I have a dad at home. And this dad is a dad who provides even for his workers. They have more than they can ever imagine. But I'm his son, and yet I am here starving and dying from hunger? He remembered that his father is someone who provides for his employees more than they deserve. Unlike his employer now, who doesn't even feed him. He finally sees that the world only exploits him. That our sins only bring us to shame. He finally sees that this life of dissipation only leads to doom. But he remembered his father. Again, the Holy Spirit. 
The spirit never leaves us. Never. Aren't we blessed to have the gift of the Holy Spirit? So I encourage you. If you feel your, if you find yourself in a moment of desperation, of deep loneliness, and you're saying, "I, I, 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 I can't, I can't take this anymore. I can't do this anymore." Cry out, "Come, Holy Spirit! Come, Holy Spirit! Remind me who I am. Remind me that I have a Father in heaven who loves me." Who, when he looks at me, he he only sees me, his beloved one, and not my sins. Although at times we may reject his love, we, we may reject the Spirit, but he never stops giving. We may choose to not receive his grace, but the Father never stops pouring them out to us. He is ceaselessly giving us grace. He is ceaselessly giving us his love. Only we can choose to say no thank you to that. But even when we say no thank you, he keeps giving it. He keeps giving it. Don't forget that. And so now he, um, he's like, oh, all right, so... Um, it's 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 a little embarrassing to just go home and say, "Hey, Dad, I I messed up." What should I say to him, right? And he says, "I will actually say to him, Father, for you know I've sinned against you and against heaven. Don't call me your son, but call treat me as your hired workers." I mean, this is actually it's it's a beautiful confession. It really is. He's he he saw that he was sinning. For the first time, again, he's remembered he has a father at home and a father in heaven. And that he has wronged them. And he says he no, longer, he no longer deserves to be called his son. And rightfully so. None of us deserve God's mercy, right? We don't deserve second chances. We don't deserve to be forgiven sometimes for the things that we think or say or even do. We don't deserve to be forgiven but it is because we don't deserve it that God gives it to us. If we deserved it, what, what merit would that be, right? But because we don't deserve it, God gives it to us. How great truly is our God. How great and forgiving and loving and compassionate truly is our Father. So all that we have is really a gift and grace. Some say, well, no. I worked hard for this. I worked hard for my life. Okay, you did. But who gave you life, <laughs> right? Who gave you these opportunities? Well, my employer. Okay, well, who put them in your lives? It's a losing battle, right? God, God gives us everything. And God doesn't use that against us. He says, I'll, I, I gave it to you then. I'll give it to you again now. I don't care what you've done. The father never intended to 
break ties with his son. Because remember what, 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 when I said, even by giving him his, his inheritance, the father was saying, I still love you. You're still my son. Because I love you, I, I, I give you this, right? The son never intended, I mean, the father never intended to strip the son of his sonship, never crossed his mind. Only the son chose to strip it from himself. The son was always a son first. I have a quote that I wanted to, to share with you now. I, I think it's, yes. This is by St. Ambrose of Milan. You are a son through baptism, friend through virtue, higher servant through labor, and slave through fear. We all start off as sons and daughters. And teachers, I've, I've done this. We all say, look, you start off the class with 100, right? You can choose to have points deducted by, by not doing work, by not handing in your assignments, by failing tests. You choose to do that. But you start off at 100. You start off with an A. In the same way, we start off as sons and daughters of God. But by our own actions, by our own pride, by, by our own desire to be somebody, to make a name for ourselves, by that, we become a servant and a slave. Let us, let us remain sons and daughters because we, we, we don't want to be, um, we don't want to be like that, do we? We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be chased out of places. We're better than that. We're God's beloved. So, what do you think, how do you think God sees us when we um, sin? When we do things that we know are wrong and immoral and and um, just plainly ag against him. Does he, see, does he see us as his adversary? Does he see us as his enemy? Does he see us as someone he wants to get rid of? No. He sees us still through that filth, through all that layers of junk and garbage. He sees who we are. He sees that we are made in his image and likeness. Parents, you can relate to this, I'm sure. Or even aunts, uncles, whoever. When your child comes home and he, he's like, you know, he, he, he puts on a show and then he, 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 um, he, he, he acts differently. You, you would say, um, what's going on here? This isn't you. This isn't you. Talk to me. What's going on? Right. And then that's what, and that for us is confession. 
many people think that, and maybe you and I have thought about this before. Many people think that God loves them more after confession than before. No. If that was true, then, then, then I don't want that kind of God. Then God would be untrue to himself. Right? God loves you as much before confession and after confession. Not one moment has he loved you less because of your sins. That's something that we, that the devil tried to plant in our minds. Oh, you don't deserve his love. How could you go back to him? You've done all these bad things. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be embarrassed. How can you go back? That's the devil. Don't let him trick you. All right. Our final verse. We made it through. Congratulations. So he got up and went back to his father. Brothers and sisters, the father may want to give us all these graces, all these good gifts. But when but we need to receive it, we need to accept it. God won't force himself on you. Just like, just like if you really love someone, you won't force yourself on them. You will let them choose. You will let them choose to receive your love. Right? And so the father may love his son so much, but he won't force himself on him. He won't drag him back. He won't do anything that goes against his will because he loves him. So God may call and call and call and call, but we must take action. He waits and waits and waits, and we need to respond. We must open our hearts to receive his love and grace. We need to want to root our identity in him. God wants so much good for us, but we must let him do that for us. We must take that first step away from the darkness, away from the sinfulness, away from the shame, and walk towards him. We must take that first step. It could be a tiny step, but it must be a step. We must take that one step away from this distant country. And from that point on, the Holy Spirit will continue helping you on your way back home. And I'll conclude tonight's conference with a, um, a part of a hymn by St. Ephraim the Syrian. Let us too return to our father's house, my brothers, and do not become captivated with desire for this transient earth. For your true city is in Eden. We belong to God. We belong in the light. We don't belong in that distant country. Let us with the younger son who has come to his senses. Let us with him take this first step 
away from the darkness. Let us close with prayer first. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, you who led the Israelites out of Egypt, of slavery, and led them through the Red Sea into the Promised Land, lead us too out of the, out of the desert of sinfulness in our lives so that we may again experience the joy and peace and love that comes with our identity as your beloved children. We ask the Holy Spirit to be with us, to lead us, so that we may leave that realm of darkness and lustful passion, so that we may once again walk into the light, the light of your love, the light of your mercy. We ask all this in Jesus' name. For more audios, videos, blog entries, and other resources, please visit us at www.belovedsonministry.org.